start. Um, hey everyone, if I've not had the privilege of meeting you, my name is Sammy. I'm the campus minister here. And tonight we are actually wrapping up our series. We've called it The Questions of College. And um, we've looked so far at identity, uh, community, and tonight we're going to look at authority. And, and really what I want to do with tonight is think about uh, authority and freedom. Um, to do that, I want to read us a little bit of a longer, you might, hopefully, if, you grew up in the, if you've grown up in the church, you're probably familiar with the story. It's usually called the story of the parable of the prodigal son, but really um, a lot of people, Tim Keller being one of them, have pointed out over the years, it's actually about two lost sons. And that's how I want to frame our conversation tonight, thinking about freedom and authority, uh, which I think, in my experience in college, was a big question. Can I, um, who, who can tell me? Who has a say in how I live my life? Uh, can I trust people in power to actually care for me and love me? So to do that, I want to quickly read this passage, uh, Luke 15, verses 11 to 32. It's printed in your handout. And he, Jesus, said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son, the younger brother, gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to, be, to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf, and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they began to celebrate. They began to party. Verse 25, Now his older son was in the field. The older brother, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he, the older brother, was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf, the fattened calf for him. And he, the father, said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let me pray for us. I don't want to dive into thinking about freedom and authority tonight. Let's pray first. 
Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. We thank you that it does um, cut through us like a sharp sword, revealing our thoughts and the intentions of our hearts and our, our actions and why we do what we do. Uh, it reveals to us our sin, and therefore it reveals to us our need for you, O Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray tonight as we think about this last uh, question in this series, that you would meet us in the way that you alone can, which is the power of your love and grace toward sinners like us. We are, um, we are needy, we are desperate, and we ask that you would meet us in this way. We pray these things, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Um, I'm just going to, for time's sake, dive right in. What I want to do tonight is think about this idea of, of freedom. Actually, let me do this. So recently... Uh, all right, the Woodstock, I don't know if you're familiar with Woodstock as a music festival. First one's in 1969, all about peace and love, this really beautiful, truly like kind of uh, hippie feast and fest of, of truly like love. And, you know, we could critique it in some ways. 1999, the creators think we should do the 30th anniversary of it. And if you've, there are two documentaries about, if you've not seen them, uh, this is the Woodstock of my generation, which I'm in between millennials and Gen X, so whatever you want to call me. But in 1999, they're like, let's do it again. But this time, they had done it in 94. It was a train wreck because rain came the whole time and it caused the fences to come down. So a lot of people got in for free. So they thought this time, we're going to run this festival. We want it to be about peace and love. It was right after Columbine, one of the first, uh, one of the first mass school shootings in history. So we want it to be about peace and love. But the greater goal is we want to make money. So they host it, instead of this beautiful grassy area, they host it on this abandoned Air Force base. The, the temperatures stay above 100 the whole time. To make money, they chose the Air Force base because there was a wall of security that no one could get in for free. Then they outsourced every possible thing. They outsourced uh, no free water. They outsourced porta potties. They outsourced food vendors who just gouged, like even 1999 prices, a hot dog was like $10. And so by day two, headliners of this, you know, night one, corn, if that's your thing, corn kind of stirs up, taps into the anger of the crowd. By night two, Limp Biscuit just takes it well beyond the edge. Like there's literally, if you know Limp Biscuit, if you don't, it's okay. They got a song called Break Stuff. And as Fred Durst, like, he literally just pumps the crowd up to this place where they literally just start in this angry mob. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people just breaking stuff all over. Because by day two, the porta bodies were out of commission and the, how do I say this nicely? The waste was flooding all around so that the water was contaminated fully. You couldn't get water because there was no free water. All the water was contaminated. There anywhere to sleep. There was no escaping the heat. You can just imagine the hate, the anger of this generation because, and this is the point one of the documentary makes, because they felt used. They felt like the people in charge of this festival were using them because they were, which leads us to this question of authority. Is there such a thing, even thinking about God himself, as loving, generous, wise, authority. And what I want to do is just use Luke 15, use the parable of the uh, two lost sons, kind of think about this idea of authority and freedom. Uh, is Because the idea would be that good, loving, biblical authority is meant to, uh, to lead us to the freedom of flourishing as those made in God's image. So what I want to do is, is look at three things. One, I want to look at freedom according to the younger brother, how he thought it, wrongly thought of freedom. Uh, two, I want to look at freedom according to the older brother, how he wrongly thought of freedom. 
And then lastly, I want to look at freedom according to the loving father. Let's just dive in quickly for time's sake. All right, so first, freedom according to the younger brother. We could spend weeks on this one parable. Here's what I want you to see about the younger brother who asks for his inheritance in rebellion to the, to the father because he thinks freedom is found in the far country. Not at home with the father with all his rules and regulations. He thinks freedom is found in the far country, specifically in the far country, meaning to indulge his desires, to seek after his pleasures, which is what he does. He gets the money, then he goes and gets the girls, then he gets himself all the pleasures that he can possibly afford, except there's only one problem. They ultimately don't satisfy or last. But he thinks... Freedom is found in getting what I want. Therefore, authority, any kind of authority, even loving authority, is viewed as a hindrance. Let me try this illustration. It might be terrible. It might be fine. We'll see. All right, so we have a dog. I'm not a huge dog person. We have a dog because I love my my family. My son in church one time wrote on the prayer card, uh, Lord, please give me a boat and please give me a dog. We couldn't afford the boat, but we could afford the dog. So we got a dog. His name is Teddy. He's a Labradoodle. He just turned seven two days ago. Uh, he, if you've met Teddy, if you've been to my house, he's a sweet dog. He, all he wants to do is jump on you and lick your face, which that's not... Uh, my, my wife says it, psychologically that it brings us joy, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't think for all of us. Anyway, Teddy, about a year ago, Teddy was out in the yard, and as dogs do, he was hunting uh, animal, an animal in the yard. We couldn't figure out what it was, and then we, we quickly figured out he was hunting this frog. Now, I'm not, as not a dog person, I didn't know the inherent dangers of like a toad, where, uh, because God loves toads, they have this thing where as they're attacked, they can release a toxin, and what happens is Teddy caught the toad, as we're trying to like, we can't catch him fast enough, and he catches his toad, and as soon as he puts it in his mouth, goes to, you know, I guess to follow his nature, puts it in his mouth, and as soon as it happens, the toad releases toxins, and Teddy just begins violently foaming in the mouth. I mean, to the point where it's like, my wife, I mean, Teddy, will, she will say Teddy is her favorite child. We have four kids, five if you count Teddy. We're freaking out because we read, quick Google, this can kill a dog of Teddy's size. He's about 35, 40 pounds. So we call the vet. They tell us what to do. They walk us through it. We have to aggressively wash his mouth out with water, watch him, wash out with water, watch him. Um, why am I telling that story? <laughs> I promise that's the point. Sometimes God in his grace does this with our sin. Teddy thought he wanted the frog until he realized how dangerous it was to him. This is what happens with the younger brother. You see that, right? Part of how he comes home is he begins to experience at some level the emptiness, the, the painfulness, the way it doesn't satisfy. As Marie Antoinette if you know Marie Antoinette, the great queen of, of France, and she has that thing, all the lavish parties in the world, but there's this one moment where she reportedly says she's done everything, had all the luxuries, all the pleasures of the world, and she finally says by the end of it, nothing tastes. Nothing tastes. There's an emptiness. Um, and God in his grace this is what he does in the story of the younger brother. He brings him to the end of himself by bringing him, the way that John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, old-time pastor, He says it like this, until sin be bitter, Christ will be not sweet. 
until sin be bitter, we could say it like this in the story, we will not come home to the love of the Father. So freedom according to the younger brother. Let's keep going, though. Because then we have this older brother that we often miss in this parable. And again, we could dive in so much, but here's what I want you to see. If the younger brother thought that freedom was found in the far country and indulging every possible pleasure to hopefully satisfy himself, the older brother goes the opposite way. The older brother thinks freedom is found in duty and faithfulness by following the rules, not out of love for the father, but because he wanted the inheritance. He knew what he wanted to work his father into his debt to get what he rightfully earned and deserved. Another way to say it is to his mind, the good get rewarded, the dutiful get praised, the hard workers rightfully get what is coming to them. Another way we could say it is he thought, freedom is found in getting what I know I deserve for all my hard work and goodness. Therefore, authority, and when, it, when in this wrong view of freedom, authority is a helpful tool to help me build the life that I desire. But as Tim Keller and a lot of people point out, both brothers are doing the same thing in different ways because neither of them actually love the father. Neither of them actually want the father. One is trying to run from the father. The other is trying to obey the father to get him to get what he wants, which is ultimately the inheritance. Um, in 2010, NFL just started. 2010, uh, Buffalo Bills wide receiver Stevie Johnson, he is having a pretty great stretch of a season. The Bills at this time are not great, but there's, a, there's talk of they might could sneak into the playoffs. So Stevie Johnson, this is like week... I don't know, it's, November, it's like late November, later into the season, and the Bills are playing the Steelers, and Stevie Johnson's having this pretty great game. Uh, I think he's got at least, at least one touchdown, but then end of the game, the Bills have a chance to go up to kind of secure the game, and what happens is Stevie works a route, gets wide open in the end zone. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic, throws him the ball, perfect pass, in Stevie's hands, and he just drops it. When, if you watch the video, it's really strange. I mean, it's just a... Straight up, great, perfect ball just drops, drops it in the end zone. And this is right as Twitter is, is, is getting hot. So Stevie goes, I still have this tweet recorded. He, he goes on Twitter, because Stevie, he's a professed Christian, and here's what he says on Twitter, all caps, speaking to God. He said, I praise you 24-7, and this is how you do me? Question mark, question mark, question mark. You expect me to learn from this? Question mark, question mark, question mark. How? More like, how? Question mark, question mark, question mark. I will never forget this. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And then he ends it with a thanks, though, which is a thing just interesting word choice. When I read that tweet, I saw myself. Listen, I came to USC, like, if you've been here before, like, I came really riding the high of having become a Christian as a freshman, a dutiful, faithful youth group Christian, as I, at least I thought. And then my world fell apart in college because God didn't give me what, he, what I wanted, which ultimately was this girlfriend who broke up with me in sophomore year that I was sure I was going to marry. Like, on, as the kids say, on God, I thought I was going to marry. And the Lord had other plans. And this was me. Like... The, the first time I ever in my life, and I want to say this carefully, got drunk, 
I was by myself after this had happened, in rebellion to God, with a, a full stadium cup of Captain Morgan, because I didn't know how things worked, and just went for it. And if you've experienced that, this is not an encouragement to that. This is not an excuse to that. You can imagine how I went. And do you see what was happening? I had gone from older brother, let's try younger brother, because can I trust the love of the Father? Can I trust that He really loves me? And I was too immature to see that sometimes Him loving me, Him loving us, is not giving us what we want or what we think we want. That's the last thing I want you to see: is freedom according to the Father. And here's, I want to ask it like this to you, because I know maybe some of you have heard a million sermons on this. Maybe this is your first. That's awesome. Welcome to RUF. Please come back. Please come back. Here's the question. Do these sons love their father? So it doesn't seem like it. I mean, I think the younger brother is getting there because he's experiencing the kindness of his father and the love of his father in the face of his failure but the older brother, where, where we end is intentionally by Jesus, because it says at the beginning of Luke 15, he's telling the story to the Pharisees because he wants them to hear it. But to the older brother, it's left on a cliffhanger. Will he come into the party? But here's the other question. Is does this father love his sons and daughters? I want you just to notice quickly the way he meets both of them. I want you to see the way he meets the younger brother in his shame. Not with a great scolding. Not with a great speech. Not with a book. Not with a podcast. But with great delighting, with running and hugging and kissing and throwing a stunner of a party in his honor at great cost to himself. If you're a younger brother, please listen to me. If this is more your story, please hear me. Your shame is no match for the love of Jesus. He knows the far countries in which you have lived and the low places you have been. And he said himself, he came to seek and save the lost, to carry us home rejoicing. It's time to come home and be loved. But look how he meets the older brother in his pride. Again, not with a chewing out, but with an invitation in. Come into this party. You're missing the party the party of my love and joy and grace. He invites him in to see that everything, looks at what he says to him, everything that belongs to me belongs to you. Isn't it enough to be mine? What more can you do? I love that old hymn that says, lay your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet, stand in him and him alone, gloriously complete. It is finished, finished. What more could we ever do? And don't you see, older brothers, this father, this home, is for you too. It's yours. Not because you've done a single thing to earn it. This means that freedom isn't found in the far country, nor in our own hard work, but instead at home. Enjoying the father who so graciously and generously loves us and letting ourselves be drawn in to the limits of his loving wisdom. I'm going to close with this. You've been on RUF, you've heard this sermon, no doubt, several times. Um, but if you're new to RUF, welcome. Uh, favorite movie of all, one of, one of my favorite movies of all time, mid-90s movie called Babe, a uh, family movie. If you don't know the story of Babe, the quick rundown is Farmer Hoggett 
played by James Cromwell, who just recently died, RIP. He is famous for having a farm and raising sheepdogs, and he takes these sheepdogs every year to the county fair to win the top prize. A little piglet is born into the farm named Babe. This particular year, as Babe has grown up a little, the sheepdog gets hurt. <laughs> just, there are plot holes, just go with it. Um, but Babe has this magical power where he can speak to the animals on the farm and understand them. So he begins communicating with sheepdog, and it's decided that Babe is going to go uh, participate as if he were the leading sheepdog, and he's going to try to attempt to win the top prize at the county fair. Again, plot holes, but just go with it. So Babe, functioning as a sheepdog. Until crisis, crisis in the movie. Uh, Duck gets, it's around Thanksgiving, and Duck gets in Babe's ear and says, Babe, you realize, even if you win top prize at the county fair, all you're ever going to be is bacon at Thanksgiving. And you can imagine, Babe loses heart. He runs away. It's, there are spoilers, but this movie's been out 30, almost 30 years. <laughs> so, so he gets caught in a storm, almost dies. Farmer Hoggett goes looking for him. He finds him. He brings him back into his house. And then something beautiful begins to happen. He bathes Babe. He begins to feed Babe. Uh, and then something gets even weirder. He begins to sing over Babe. He's an Irish farmer. And then as he's singing, you can all these uh, other farm animals crowd into his window and they're watching. And then he does something even crazier as he dances. I'm not going to do it. That would be amazing. He dances an Irish jig over Babe. And the animals are like watching. And you, they're thinking, what? Where's, you know. And the, here's the question that always comes to me. What kind of a farmer sings and dances over a pig? And this is the part where I start like, because that's the question. This is this parable. This is what we're talking about, freedom. What kind of a God delights over sinners? Brendan Manning likes to say the only God that we've ever heard of who loves sinners is Jesus Christ. And the call of this parable, this is the beautiful thing, last thing I'm going to say, is there actually, I love the way St. Clair Ferguson says it, there's actually a third brother. And the third brother is Jesus, our true and older brother, who, flowing from the love of the Father, came to seek and save the lost. And if you've been in the far country, it's time to come home and know the love of Jesus and trust his loving wisdom in your life. And if you're an older brother, do you see your pride? Do you see the way it's causing you to look down on everyone and everything? And yet, do you see the heart of your father? He's saying, come into my party. It's time to come in. It's time to come home. Let me pray for us. Our Lord, we thank you for your loving kindness to us. We thank you um, for the good news of what you have called the gospel. (laughs) The gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that RUF would be a place where we never tire of hearing and repenting and enjoying and being amazed by your gospel. We pray these things, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.
Please stand and sing with us our closing hymn.